Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am here with, uh, I guess we'll call this a conversation with Smoke Monster up uh, in your in your place where you shoot all the videos. Uh, I guess there's another behind the scenes, you know, of everything. But I was in San Diego. I had to come and hang out. You know, you're stuck with me when I'm down here. So, <laughs> yeah, of course, glad to have you here. Yeah, welcome to my abode. This is uh, where the magic happens. This is the new setup. I mean, I've only had this going maybe two or three days now. Trying to get ready for you to be here and trying to get ready for some uh, arcade game streaming, which is something uh, I'm wanting to do. So, uh, to, do the, to go back to the beginning, the origin story for people that maybe, you know, are just starting to stumble across your work now. Um, so, you're just back in the States. So you're, you're originally from the U.S., then moved to Brazil, and that's where a lot of your work that people have seen your videos was probably when you... Because I think I met you right before you moved back to Brazil, right? Yeah, I had lived. I've lived in Brazil twice. Mm -hmm. So I lived there like 2008 to 2011, and then 2015 until six months ago or so. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I've been back and forth, and then I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, for about five years when I was in grad school. And um, yeah, so the Smoke Monster origin story outside of Lost, (laughs) uh, because I was into Lost when I got the Smoke Monster. Avatar. I'm not like the world's biggest Lost fan or anything, but it was just that kind of timing. I kind of guessed, yeah. But uh, I had taken, I was taking these digital archaeology courses, because I study archaeology, is what I do. And um, I got the idea for, I basically had come up with my idea for like no intro in these things without realizing that they already existed. You mean your ROM sets and stuff? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, and uh, but then I discovered, oh, wait, no, there's all these preservation groups that do this kind of stuff, Video Game Preservation Society and all those kind of places, no intro, MAME. And uh, so I started coming up with this idea of a similar system, but um, geared specifically for flashcards. So I wanted to do kind of curated sets, but for real hardware. So not simply focused on having everything or having a huge quantity of stuff, but things, the copies of games that either... Some of them, you know, required changes to work on real hardware and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was where I started was doing what I call the ROM, ROM pack lists because it's more of a database system. I don't actually share ROM files. I, I have these uh, scripts that Frederick Mahi, my friend, came up with, a French coder. Mm-hmm. And uh, it allows you to do the same kind of thing that MAME does. So you can run a, a script on a folder full of files and it'll generate six hash files for each file. It will, uh, and then it uses that on the user side. If you run the script, the, the output script on their files to detect the the ROMs if I have designated them, pull them in based on if it matches all six hash files, and then rename them to my system, and then arrange them in a file folder hierarchy. 
So, so basically, it's, it's, it's basically like, up to people to just find these random ROM packs that may or may not be well organized. Most of the times they're not, and mm-hmm. then run your script on it. Yeah, and then that adds your organization and categorization and naming yeah. scheme too. My system is like you just take every ROM that you own or that you've got, you dump it all in one folder, and then you run my script on it, and it'll just copy them out into an organized layout that's flashcard friendly. Gotcha. Or real hardware friendly. So that's um, that's how I first stumbled across your work. I think it probably was on the Cricks forum because that would be the most relevant yeah, for probably. ROM pack stuff. And I remember Scott and I, my cousin Scott, have gone back and forth with trying to, not trying to do what you did, but just trying to have our own, this is what Bob and Scott recommend, for quite literally just us, nobody else. Mm-hmm. And then I stumbled across yours and I was like, hey, Scott, stop, stop doing it. You're wasting your time. This guy's already nailed it. Uh, and you know, of course, he was skeptical, like every, like we all should be. Like, yeah, no, no, I want, I want it my way. And I showed mm-hmm. him your pack, and he was like, <laughs> I wasted all that time. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like, there's lots of people who do like, pack, you know, ROM packs, and they're always usually pretty amateur. It's just like these are my favorite games, and I put them in a folder, and I shared them on a forum or something. And like and that is actually where I started. Nothing wrong with that. Though. No, that, that's what I started doing, and it's just like I just noticed that people were using what I was doing. And because I knew people were using it, it was like the OCD went off, the perfectionist in me came out, and I just started like having to like, you know, tailor it perfectly or whatever. Yeah, I know that feeling very well. My uh, When I first launched Retro RGB, it was still on whatever Google hosting site I was using just to practice. And I didn't know that it would start to get picked up in search results. And I Googled myself just to see like if it was even getting picked up. And the first thing I found a week after it went live was somebody calling me a delusional prick because I said that I don't really count the Dreamcast as like a perfectly retro console. Which is funny because I still stand by that. It was probably like 15 years ago too back then. It was like 8 years ago (laughs) and it's still kind of funny too because it's like, it's not. You see it with the DC HDMI, it looks like a PS3. Mm -hmm. But I was cracking up like, wow. The other side of that is like, holy shit, people are actually reading my stuff and trying to, you know, taking it seriously. I didn't even know it was live live. So mm-hmm. you're right. That's when you start double, doubling down and going, do it or don't. You mm-hmm. know, why don't half-ass anything like that? Yeah, for me, it's that. It's like, if it's in public, it has to be done perfectly kind of thing. You're totally into that, too. I mean, too, I have my limits. I've, I've learned to, to take a deep breath and just release stuff. Otherwise, mm-hmm. nothing would ever get released, so... Yeah, it's hard to know when to pull the trigger and like say, okay, this is ready for a release. Because you, I like, I hold off on some things for years if I don't just get the. Really. Yeah, some of my packs are years old, and I've got updates ready. That's just like I haven't pressed the button on it for whatever reason. Really, I always have deadlines. Some of them I make up in my head, and some of them are real, like you know the weekly stuff. And I'm lucky in that if I flub a thing or two on the weekly stuff, like you, my, the average person that listens gets it. You know, the point of it's trying to save you the work from going through all the forums, and you, mistakes are going to be made. But the bigger videos, I could just keep working on, and then eventually, I, I just realize, like, while there might not be a deadline, I get another stack of stuff coming in. So if I don't release this now, it's not going to get released for six months. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, sometimes you got to just stick it out there and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I've got that guilt, too. So when I release something, there's an immense guilt following it because there's all these people who hate updating. Because I'm kind of like that, too. Like, I don't want something updated, like, every week. I, like, I guess if something's really bleeding edge, maybe every few months. But, like, a full, people think it's, like, a big investment of time for them to download this stuff and sort of do all, run all their scripts and all that stuff. 
So I try to like find the perfect time where I have a lot of new stuff, uh, but you know, it's not like once a month kind of deal. But I mean, if you if you have just a bunch of ROM sets, so you download good ROM, no intro, dump them all in a folder. You have uh, an SD card for let's just say Sega Genesis, right? You stick that in your computer and you run your script. Every time there's an update, all you really have to do is just rerun the script, right? You don't have to format the drive or anything. You, it'll just go back and redo do everything, right? Yeah, you can do it that way. I oh. like. <laughs> I always recommend formatting though, because okay. what you don't know is that I'm in there editing away file names and stuff, changing, making little changes here and there, changing folder names, and because the script is ran on your side and then outputted. Okay. Uh, if you don't format it, then you end up with doubles of things, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, you can do it that way. And just a tip that I've learned that I'm sure all all the nerds watching this are probably going to laugh at me for saying, but nerds? I had a, um, yeah, nerds obviously mean that in a nice way, but <laughs> I for years I had this USB 3.0 memory card reader, and I bought it specifically because at the time it was one of the fastest ones out there. Transcend made it, um, and I just bought a brand new one. That even though I bought a U, it says USB 3.1, but I still only have 3.0 on my computer. But whatever whatever's on this is almost twice as fast. So you know, it, formatting and recopying things. Obviously, the de- you're dependent on the speed of the micro SD card, but that was a huge thing, and it was mm-hmm. like 20 bucks or something. So that yeah. cut all of this time quite quite short. So mm-hmm. good yeah, tip. Yeah, I, I discovered when one of my. Uh... SD card readers died on me and then I got a new one. I was like, uh, they were both USB 3.0 rated, but that first one was so slow. Mm-hmm. And going to a full speed one was like, made me much more willing to copy things to SD cards again. Because mm-hmm. even my EverDrives are out of date, a lot of them. Oh, really? Because I haven't gotten around to uh, copying the stuff over to them. Yeah. So I, I always leave like a little text file or something in the root that says like the date that I did mm-hmm. it. And I always reference that. So, like, if today I, I, you know, fix my or put the newest version of the ROM pack on, and then I look at your scripts, and if it's not past today's date, that's how I know. So that's my little that's reference. Something people have asked me to do for years. Maybe I should start doing that. Just generate, uh-huh. have it automatically generate a text file saying which version you just compiled. Yeah. And copy that over. It'd be kind of cool. It wouldn't take up any space, mm-hmm. so might as well. Good idea. I'll do that. Hmm. I'll see if Frederick can do it actually. <laughs> but I mean. I, I'm known for the EverDrive stuff because that's where I, I started originally. But I like have my fingers in a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah, so I that's well, after things. I got to know you, I realized while while the, the most uh, sudden impact you had on the retro gaming community was these ROM packs. Uh, what you do in the arcade world, I would, and, and I'm not trying to take away from the work that you do in the ROM packs, but I think in many ways what you do in the arcade world has much more of a long-standing impact. Um, I still, obviously, we all appreciate the ROM packs. Please don't stop. But some of the work I've seen you do on, on the arcade side, even just things like um, getting the right people together. Yeah, you know, that's just, what I'm interested in. Yeah, even just, if you're not doing hardware design or something, making sure you get the right people together to make the right products happen, you know? Yeah, I'm always like, my rule is I'm, I always try to stay positive about things and I try to get... I'm, I'm really interested in people who can actually release things. So if people yeah. are releasing things, it's like I'm usually getting behind them and trying to do what I can to help mm-hmm. or pulling in people who can help to do little things like to get everything to be the way that we envision it, you know? And it's hard for... You know, if it's like one person's making a flash card or something, that's 
very difficult. So it's a big relief for them too if you bring in more people. Yeah. Do you have any tricks to how you stay positive throughout so much of this? Because I just stopped. I like. <laughs> yeah, one thing I do. One, I had to cut myself off of forums mainly. <laughs> That's the yeah. first big deal. And then two, like I like to write a, a response to things and then delete it. So I'll write a big response, put all my thoughts out, and then I just read it, and then I'll delete it instead of sending it. I've done that a few times. <laughs> I do that, that all the time. Because my rule is, like, I'll write it, and then I look back at it, and I'm like, all right, were you breaking your rule about staying positive? I mean, not positive, like, naive, but just, like, no, not, yeah, yeah. not getting into trouble. If you don't have anything nice like to that. say, don't say anything at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, that's, that's been harder for me, especially because as all of our channels grow... The more people come in, the more people that might not even know who you are. They just stumble across your video and they're like, who the hell is this person talking with such authority about these things? Not knowing that you, you do know what you know. And for me, I just, you know, 99% of my interactions with people are at worst fine. And mostly are positive. And mm -hmm. it's it just, the way I look at things is if you're going to come in hard... I'm going to say something really mean back and fucking block you because I don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate side effect of that is the people that don't see the 99% uh -huh. just go, why is Bob such an asshole all the time on Twitter? And it's like, did you not see the other hundred comments that we all went through that ranged from perfectly normal arguing and even keeled to like friendly and happy? But mm -hmm. I, just... I don't think I've ever seen you be an asshole. I think some people... Interpret strong feelings as someone being an ass, but when the guy uh, says, "Since you have corporate friends now and you're trying to take payoffs, why don't you go talk to somebody else?" and I told him to eat shit and block them, <laughs> and somebody else tweeted back, "Well, that's exactly the type of thing that you know proves that you're getting paid off." <laughs> I said, "You eat the shit that he shit after he ate my shit that I shit," and blocked him too. I think I stole that from Jay and Silent Bob, mm -hmm. but whatever. Weird. Yeah, so uh, yes, I I have seen myself be an asshole quite a few times and it's rare it's rare that I'll do something like that that I regret it it's what's more way more common and, and un unfortunately really common is that up in my head I'll have a perfectly formed thought and it falls out of my mouth the wrong way and I don't realize it until it's too late so real life basically yeah, yeah I, that really bothers me like I said something about Stika the other day that I sent it to him Stika's a documentarian I guess you'd mm -hmm. want to call him on yeah, YouTube yeah. and he um, did the Pepperin videos. Yeah, he did a bunch of cool stuff. And he, he does other reviews and things. And I, I showed it to him and said, hey, is this okay? Did you get what I meant by this? Because I'll delete it if you don't. But I basically said that he's really good at disarming people and making people feel comfortable, especially people who doesn't share his native language. And it came out as like, Stika doesn't speak, you know, mm -hmm. speaks Portuguese before English or something. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, I totally got it. That's the stuff that really bothers me mm -hmm. is when I was trying to say one thing and the other thing came out of my mouth. Oh, yeah. So. And that's especially hard on the internet. Or to make jokes and have them end up being taken seriously by a very small group of people. And then having to explain to yourself, or having to explain to people, like, no, I needed to, like, put, that was a sarcastic response, you know, next to, or, like, this is an inside joke with us, or something like, please yeah. don't take that out of context. I have such mixed feelings about that, because whenever Nick from HD Retrovision and I go at it at, in the comments at each other, the people who follow the Retro Roundtable, either, maybe they think it's funny, maybe they don't, but they get it. They, they mm -hmm. understand that we're just being idiots. And some other people will at least read it and go, they must know each other. They're very obvious. Like, this can't be real. 
And some people get really serious about it. One I could person... see if, if somebody just tuned into the Retro Roundtable for the first time and had never seen it before, they'd be like, these guys hate each other. Well, no, These this guys are at each other's throats. This was, I think, the Dreamcast video <laughs> I did. So it wasn't even that. And Nick came on and he was just being Nick, being silly and funny. And I was laughing really hard. And of course, we're texting each other as this is going on. And somebody was like, if this is how you, because he said something like, you didn't, you didn't take your payout right next time, make sure to have the cable flipped over as, as per our agreement or, you know, something silly. <laughs> somebody said, wow, if this is how you handle your contractual agreements, I'm never buying your products again. And oh, I'm God. just like, I feel so bad because what if that person's native uh -huh. language isn't English and doesn't pick up on it? But on the other side, it's like, ah. Uh... Yeah, it's pretty obvious that we're not talking about a contract in YouTube comments. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I try to watch myself with that though. It's hard with some of the friends I have though, especially when they're on a roll. You get Zach going. <laughs> there was one a few months ago where where somebody was just being needlessly mean to Zach, and anybody that's seen Zach get mean back to people, it's like, you know, it's. <laughs> It's easy, it's easy to say, well, what did he do to deserve this? And nothing. The guy was just being so mean. And I had, you know, more than a few beers in me. And I get <laughs> home, and we, we start playing around on Twitter. And I remember waking up the next morning going, oh, man, did we, did we all just, like, dogpile on this person? And were we all mean? Like, oh, God, I would hate to have done that. And then I went back and read it, and it was all hilarious. It was like we were making fun of each other. We were talking about Zach being in a boy band. Like, we weren't picking on this person at all. Mm -hmm. We were just making fun of everything. I'm like, oh, no, we, we did well. We mm -hmm. did well. We handled that Good all job. right. <laughs> Good job, drunk you. Yeah, that's yeah, rare. <laughs> but, yeah, the, uh, the perils of the internet. Mm -hmm. have, you had, uh, have you had the you're just doing this because you got paid off group of people come after you yet? Oh, yeah. And... I mean, I, I'll make my bank account, my bank records, my tax receipts public. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to do that for you. But yeah, especially, and I have, I plan to do some product reviews and stuff like that. And I'm wondering, you know, it's like, be, I mean, being given a product, it really doesn't amount to anything in the world. People think it's like a big deal. Like, oh, you got this for free. It's like, well, kind of. I mean, I'm, we're testers for a company. It's like, it's not like they're getting it, you know, it's not like I'm getting it for free. The amount of time that it takes to test things and to get feedback and that kind of stuff. But I, I mean, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, though, the reason so many people get like that is because of the amount of people out there that yeah, ask the company YouTube. to send them a product, hold the product up. Yeah. The entire amount of research and testing they've done is whatever you've seen on screen, mm -hmm. you know, the on-screen unboxing, and there's a, there's a few people with hundreds of thousands of followers that do that on a mm -hmm. regular basis. And unfortunately, there's a few people, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to drag him into shit, but I, I'm 99.9% sure. While John Hancock's formula is the same, he opens it up and reviews it, I, I, would, put, I would absolutely put the word out there that his, all of his things are genuine. Yeah, he seems really and genuine. And I've met him once in person, he, you know... I mean, maybe I'm just such a negative human, but I, when I first saw his videos, I'm like, is this, is this an act? Is this real? And the moment you meet that guy in person, you're like, no, yeah, it's he's real. real. He's, yeah. that's, that's, and then it sucks because he has the same lighthearted format. I mean, he has a, a, a very, he's a school teacher. He has a day job. So it's like, you know, you can't spend 40 hours on a video reviewing some at games plug-and-play console. So the mm -hmm. way he does it's fine, and he's honest about things. It just, 
all those other people take away from it. You know, when you spend 20 hours, uh, if not more than that, helping somebody go through and test and find bugs, and mm -hmm. that's not worth whatever the product was, you know? Yeah, it's really not. And there's no money if that's what people... I mean, there's zero money in the in those niche products that we cover. It's like... Yeah. But, I mean, that's something that you do really well, I think. In your, when you do an overview or review of a product, you're very good about uh, showing the flaw. I mean, being really, you know, not just this is great, here's everything that's good. That's something that I want to replicate, too, is even these things that I really love, it's like there's always a catch of some kind, you know. And that really needs to be right out in the front whatever the catches are because sometimes the catches especially in this retro gaming stuff are really big it's probably the reason yeah. why you made your site you yeah know, is because of the catches I, I try to make that clear and you know very often it doesn't really matter what you're doing youtube videos writing when you're in it so deep you uh it's hard to sometimes take a step back and go like what did i miss here because in your head it's it's pre prevalent but things like like the, the mega sd review i just did I, I don't think I came out and said, like, ah, the Master System FM audio is good, could be better, but it's a bonus feature, so fuck it. I'm sure it'll get mm -hmm. better. Not the point of this video, though. Mm -hmm. I think I forgot to say that, and a lot of people commented about that. Like, why were you covering for the FM sound? It's like, I mean, I wasn't. I, thought, you, I mean, you, that, that's what I really liked about your review of that. And I direct, I, when I, whenever I touch the Mega ST, I direct them to your video because it's like, it's your opinion. You know, you put the the sound clips out there, and people can make their own decision, right? You know, that's what it comes down to. The other side of that too is I got a that was a beta version of a product that performed amazingly well for a beta, but it's gonna get better. It's yeah. just the you know the team of people working behind that. When you have Firebrand X working on the audio, if they did a bad job, he would message them daily until it was fixed. Mm -hmm. So I just saw he posted some cool stuff today. Did you see that? No, he I tweeted it. Uh, the audio filters and things that are coming along. He oh, said really? They basically got it perfect now, is what he said. Which nice. you know, coming from Firebrand X or someone like Ace, these are very critically yeah. audio oriented people to say it, and they wouldn't just pass that off. You know, and that came from Artemio, the MD Fourier. Somebody um, posted that I was pronouncing that wrong. My apologies Ooh. to all my French friends, but that MD Fourier software, that's uh, that's how you're able to tune that so perfectly. So shout out to the mm. amazing Artemio. Oh, you're off frame a little. Eh, no one wants to see me anyway. They see me. They see it's me good this way. But, yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm going to try to do some uh, clips for him with the Nomad and stuff, since that's my favorite little guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to go back. Um, I'm not I'm not sure how, how much or how public any of this stuff is, but... Uh, there is a triple bypass custom being worked on for the Nomad mm -hmm. that's been through that testing software, so you actually get the exact same audio levels as all the as it should be. Nice. Um, very you know, exciting. I posted about that probably like five. Okay, when the the first bypasses were announced, I posted on whatever forum it was on. I don't remember was it Schmups or somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and I asked the person. Oh no, it was Sega sixteen, I think. I asked whoever whoever was posting about. It, I was like, "Hey, can you make one of these for the Nomad?" And they're like, "No, it's too small. <laughs> it's it's too small to fit this in there." But hmm. things have come a long way since then, and it's been optimized and brought the down groups in size. Of the group of people that's working on it now, and the fact that it's all open source, it's mm -hmm. just anything that anything that could be done is being done at the moment. And I really like the way we're going about it. Uh, but I mean, the short. I'm not sure how much it's supposed to be public yet. So the short, short version is the triple bypass that's available now is absolutely fine. 
The triple bypass version 2 is going to be slightly easier to install because it's one version for all. And the levels are going to be tweaked, so even perfectionists won't be annoyed. Um, and then there's going to be specialty versions. So you don't, you know, you don't need to, the Nomad version, but it's totally going to be the one you're going to mm -hmm. want if you want a Nomad. Yeah. So. Cool. And I saw he has one for uh, PC Engine coming. That'll be uh, interesting. I didn't I didn't hear anything about that one? I think he's working on it. On yeah. PC Engine forty A. Oh, oh, you mean, yeah, I thought you meant like oh, an audio bypass, bypass no, board. No. I'm like, really? Yeah, the, no, the, uh, for, yeah, yeah. no, Artemio software, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty big deal. I'm really interested to see that. And I hope that the Mr. Team uses that uh, as well. And we'll all, we've all saved all of our recordings. And the other thing that was really, really awesome is that we've gotten, like, I guess the VA3 Model 1 Genesis is supposed to be one of the best for audio. Um, if not the best, mm -hmm. so we got recordings. That's of... What mine is right there. Oh yeah, Good I got call. it through Ace's old forum posts and stuff. Probably that if you got it from Ace. But not only do all of the VA3s, they're all within like five percent of each other for these levels, oh. but the same console performs identically on three or four different audio recording devices. So it's like we're proving over and over and over again that that software is, is mm -hmm. the way to go. And I think the last test we're doing is I think Firebrand X is doing a, a cap replacement on the same VA3 that we've been using to see how much of a difference that makes. Because mm -hmm. that would be, you know, aged Genesis versus new Genesis mm -hmm. and all that. and kind of I could swear that. that the recap did actually change the sound of my Nomads when I did that. I would it seemed believe like it. it increased the bass, but I don't know if that's just my, you know... I, bias, thinking that while I haven't tested it myself, I would absolutely say that that was true because mm -hmm. when you have aging and failing capacitors, everything starts to go haywire. So mm -hmm. that makes perfect sense in my brain. I'm curious about, so the PC Engine Fourier, something that most people don't know about, because most people don't really look into the um, PC Engine audio situation, but it came to light with the SSDS3, uh, the audio issues that are inherent to the PC engines because of the routing, the way, you know, it's very compact. Mm -hmm. Audio, audio or analog and digital are very close to each other. Mm -hmm. And it performs better on quieter, cleaner systems. So, mm -hmm. like, the Super Graphics seems to be the, the quietest, most perfect system for the SSDS3. But then Ace was talking about um, the Core Graphics 1. The original white one. No, the so the... Not the white one is the PC Engine. The Core Graphics one is the gray one. I've got one right over here. And then there's a Core Graphics two that's like the Halloween colors, gray mm. and orange. But that Core Graphics one is basically the same audio setup as the Super Graphics. It's just a little more compact. And so I was curious to see if we can actually quantify this stuff because Ace can hear the difference. I can sort of hear it if I'm listening between a Core Graphics one and then a downgraded audio in the Core Graphics two. It's a little crunchier, mm. maybe not downgraded, but it's just a different thing. So that'll be cool to see. That would, because I like the color of the core graphics, too. I like that gray color. Yeah. So. <laughs> I spent a lot of time stalking them on eBay and finally got one. And then, oh, really? Because uh, I needed something to match my Super CD-ROM, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, obviously. It's and, funny. Uh, so now I completed the uh, my PC Engine collection. Basically, I'm not going to get a shuttle, but the only thing I needed was a core graphics one. So I've got one of those, and I want to dedicate that to the SSDS3 so that I can have my Super Graphics plugged back into my Super CD-ROM 2, for the most part. You know what's pretty funny is with all the drama with the SSD is 3, and now they get the audio circuit really well, if, if you find out that on certain model consoles, and 
even though it has nothing to do with the SSDSP, yeah. you might end up wanting to do an audio bypass so that it compensates for the audio that's on there. So people might actually be going to, to sort out or to, to, to find those older versions mm -hmm. of it to do with the bypass, not because of the SSD S3, but because of the console itself. That's mm -hmm. kind of funny how stuff like that comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's the same deal with like Sega CDs, you know, like these, these systems are inherently noisy in some way and some are worse than others. Mm. And if you're making a system like the uh, Mega SG or something that plugs into that, then you're kind of at the will of whatever you're plugging into. Yeah. A lot of people don't really appreciate it. They'll say, oh, there's something wrong with the Mega SG because it's noisy or something with Sega CD, but it's the Sega CD. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In all cases, it's the Sega CD. <laughs> it's always the Sega CD. I loved that console so much when I was a kid, and I still have tons of tons of room in my heart for it, but I I just, if I see a Sega CD1 tray, just go back and mm -hmm. forth, eject, go back, eject, I just walk away from it anymore. I just go, oh, you know, mm -hmm. I can't do it. I just, like, if I have to go back into my Model 1 again, it's like I'm done. That's it. I mean, I have, like, probably 20 hours in this thing through the years. Mm -hmm. And every single time you go to do something, it's a hassle. Especially on mine, which the tray doesn't auto-align. Yeah. Like, when I need to get the tray back in. So that's, like, a 20 or 30-minute ordeal every single time I open it. What yeah. we really need is a solid, reliable source for those, uh, you know, the rubber band things. Mm-hmm. And a 3D printed helical gear. Mm -hmm. I, ha I put both of those in mine. Oh, like, really? I mean, I put a replacement belt, replacement gears. That was a while ago. A laser, recapped it, replaced the fuse. But you can't get God's gear sake. kits anymore for it. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. I mean, this was. I'm six pretty or seven sure you'd have to ago. make them. So, who knows? Maybe Greg will work his magic on that as well. Mm hmm. But. So what else have you been working on lately? You got your, uh, you got your setup uh, pretty much done. It's looking good. Yeah. You got your, uh, uh, what is that, a 24-inch PVM? 20, it's a 20-inch. It's a 2030. It's the, oh, okay. the Wheel of Fortune yep, yep. PVM. This is what every letter is on the board is a uh, PVM 2030, which I learned through RetroRGB. You covered that in some article. That's pretty funny. And this is also the same exact, anytime there was a TV in a movie yeah it would be this this is like the gremlins 2 yeah. pvm like you know gizmo freaking has one of these like yeah. in the first scene I, th oh, I think he has the eight inch version of this really? i actually invented a drinking game every time uh, you see a pvm do a shot it'll kill you <laughs> no it'll kill you if you play gremlins 2 P uh, sony pvm drinking game if, if you took a shot every time you see a sony pvm in that movie you'll be dead by the end so you have That's to play funny. the game with beer or something because there's just so many in it there's a, I just notice them all the time. It's now. an ad for like uh, Sony PVMs of the mid '90s or whatever. That's hysterical. But uh, yeah, what else are you working on? I mean, you got your setups looking good. I'm mainly right now trying to like tune in my arcade games so that I can stream them well. So like right now, I mean, I've got uh, the Neo Geo plugged in here. Mm -hmm. It's running. Let's see, I've got the home arcade system Super Gun, and it's going up to the Voltar Double Penetration which goes into the PVM and then back to my data path. So basically I can stream arcade games, which is uh, harder than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I've just never had all my stuff in one place before. So I'm just, I'm going to be able to learn like what it's like to actually be able to like just have an idea and go out and do something quick without like having to like shuffle through everything and re you know redo the whole setup from scratch every time, which is what I was doing before. Yeah. Now I'm just going to leave my my home arcade system out. I mean, I have a whole bunch of arcade... I have, like, 50 arcade boards. 
And I'd like to stream with every one of them at least once. Yeah, the Hass is the perfect tool for that. It's incredible. It's um, in fact, my only complaint at all about that thing is it's is it's not readily available yeah. on Amazon and eBay. That's my only complaint mm-hmm. on it. Because any, anybody that plays arcade games, there are so many dangerous and shitty super guns out there. Mm-hmm. And even uh, I was just at too many games, and I was running into a couple people who were talking about super guns. And I, it was almost the same conversation every time. Like, look, if you don't already own one, like, yeah. be very careful. If you own a scope, that's actually a great way to double-check things. But, you know, if you're going to own a super gun, make sure that you own a... And almost every person that I talked to would jump in with a bigger-named super gun. Mm-hmm. I went, no, they're, they're some of the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, the ones that have been around for a long time, it's just, a, you know, it's just that basic C- Sony CXA conversion chip. No, no kind of regulation on there whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I've seen them blow out OSSCs and G-SCART switches like nobody's business. I've seen two PVMs taken out by them over the last year. Because of audio but, or video? Well, I, that's what I don't know. Like, is it the, the, wild sync, the wild sync levels they're sending through, or is it the speaker level audio? I mean, because, like, this PVM takes audio in, and you could feed it speak. I don't know what would happen, but if you fed speaker level audio to this thing, I'm guessing it would kill the audio. Immediately. So I'm, I'm mostly talking out of my ass with this because I don't know for sure, but when I was checking sync uh, tolerance levels on PVMs and DVMs, um, it's, they're built like a tank, take but not on the audio side. So I would assume that whatever board the audio uh, circuit was on blew the whole board. Mm-hmm. So technically the rest of the monitor might be fine. You would just have to repair that board. But the bottom line is you still have to work on an RGB monitor, which yeah. is like working on a car. If you yeah. don't know what you're doing, you're lost and I don't. you're, you're I in opened, a lot of danger. <laughs> I opened this once thinking I would recap it, and I just quietly closed it and like just scooted away back into the corner out of fear because there's like 200 caps in here. Yeah, I mean, just the, the consumer-grade TV, Jose and I did the other way. I asked Jose to come over, both because there were multiple boards, so two people doing it's going to cut the time in half, but also because I knew how to do everything involved in the cap replacement. There's always something else. Mm-hmm. And sure as shit, I used a, I had a, a crappy pair of cutters, and I went to snip something, and it pulled the trace up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with all the caps on there, if you're an amateur, you're guaranteed to have something like that. So I just ended up, like, because Jose was there, I picked it up and said, Jose, I broke this, and he mm-hmm. fixed it in about 10 <laughs> seconds. But if I didn't have him there, what would I have done? I would have to left my entire monitor in a million pieces, halfway recapped. Yeah, you know, never and, to be seen again. Yeah, draw a circle around it in a magic marker, mm-hmm. and then hopefully have a friend walk me through how to fix it or bring it somewhere. Like, it's just it's, it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been through that all. I mean, if I took this thing apart, the main thing that I saw in there is that there's like boards upon boards upon boards, all folded in there very cleanly. And I was thinking, like, oh my god, if I start taking these things out of here, it's like all hell's gonna break loose, and it's gonna be chaos for a month. Yeah. And I don't even know, if, you know, by the time you get it back together, if it'll be in one piece. I did. I did see one twenty-inch uh, PDM was I did a couple of years ago, and um, you know, generally speaking. Here, you know, there's a handful of caps are the most uh, common to fail. There's some others around it that's good practice. And you don't really replace all of them, but this monitor was getting shipped very far away, never to be seen again. So the person who paid them said, you know, here's top dollar, replace everything. Now I'll never have to worry about it again. The three hours a week I use it, you know, whatever. I was floored at the difference in quality. Yeah, I bet. It was, because before it was a a beautiful PVM. Mm -hmm. You know, some... 
some convergence issues where you see like it's not a perfect scroll for horizontal scrolling and then just to recap and it was i was blown away how flawless it was mm -hmm. so it's worth it but i mean even that consumer grade tv with help with jose's help it's a full weekend's worth of work mm -hmm. making the capitalist doing it fixing whatever you broke and then after you recap it you have to re calibrated or whatever is everything thrown out of whack by the no and not unless somebody tried to calibrate it with aging capacitors in it so generally speaking you know if you have something where the geometry is all off and you just don't touch it and you recap it it'll be almost perfect again as perfect as you know realistic expectations here but mm -hmm. it'll be almost the way you want it and then you just go back into the service menu and do a couple of little things but if somebody tried to calibrate it in the service menu with aging caps and then you you put them all brand new it mm -hmm. would be a nightmare you'd yeah. have to i mean that that is another four hours at least oh yeah so yeah i've noticed that's a thing lately is people are recapping consoles and things with these chinese generic capacitors i guess i see i fix and uh, all sorts of people posting pictures like, oh, they got this system in. Someone had done a recap on it, and they used the Chong or Chang or whatever, yeah. Rukikan or, you know, whatever generic caps. And it's like, yeah. if you're going to do that, you might as well have just kept the original ones. I mean, I trust old Nikecons and Rubicons more than I do this kind of new random junk. And that's because I have an ESR meter. And when you start plugging those things into it, they're totally off spec. It makes it even worse that Console 5 provides these kits for you. Beautiful Panasonic caps. Yeah, yeah. high-quality caps, super fairly priced. Dirt I would cheap, even call yeah. them cheap. Yeah. You know, saves you the time of looking them up. Yeah, there's no excuse to, to replace mm -hmm. your stuff with bad caps anymore. The tools are all there for you. Mm -hmm. Even now with the desoldering guns, there was somebody who was just tweeting me the other day that used a pump desoldering gun on a 32X, and said it took hours, and it's like... I, know, I was there... That, Way back in the day, I mean, yeah, I, the desoldering station is my probably one of my favorite things I ever bought in my life, just yeah. because of how big of a difference that makes in time for doing this kind of stuff. It's such a hard question too, because if you really only have one thing that you mm -hmm. want to recap, is it worth a hundred bucks? I think they're a hundred and ten dollars. But on the other side of things, if you get through one recap and it and it doesn't fail, you're probably going to do another one. Oh, yeah. So once you've done two or three, it's like, you know, 20 hours of, of pump mm -hmm. desoldering yeah. or two hours total. And burned of... fingers and splash yeah. solder everywhere. Yeah. And then you get the the addiction, and then you start, like, recapping blenders and things, and then it's just, uh, you know, you out of You did recap a blender, didn't you? I did. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yep. That is I, absolutely I mean, I, awesome. I just, anytime that I'm in something to do some work... You know, it's like you have to fix them. It's like I have it apart anyways, and there's a few capacitors in there. It's like I usually recap it because I keep bolt capacitors around because I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy the process of it. I like to huff the solder fumes and get that brain dead. No, don't do that. Uh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, to, I like to do shotgun recaps of, like, everything, even if it doesn't really need it. Even, like, that Jaguar you gave me. Beautiful Panasonic caps in there, some Sprague caps, really nice stuff. I just recapped it just because I had it open and... I was looking over the board anyway. It's like, why not? I, I realized that I need to start doing more more like that. So, I, I, you know, then some are way harder than others. Like recapping a Super Nintendo for somebody that's done stuff like this before. That's like one long fart worth of work. Like you, yeah. you pump that out so quickly. Yeah. But even things like an MV1C, which only has a handful of caps, mm -hmm. but then you have to deal with the very thick uh, ground plane on there. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of the caps, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of the caps, the ground, uh, ground pins, 
you got to just sit there with, you know, your soldering gun on full, and, you know, to just kind of wait mm -hmm. for it to heat up and then pull it through. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a little nuts, but. Yeah. Yeah, and I recommend, I mean, if people, it's really, it's really interesting, I think. Even, I mean, if you're not really into electronics, doing these recaps and being able to take, especially if it's your childhood systems or something and bring it yeah. like, you know, it's like doing an overhaul to your car. Yeah. And I always recommend to people to just like, so I took, I learned how to solder and stuff in shop in high school. And I've been, ever since then, I've been trying to retrain myself on how to actually do things. Mm -hmm. So I just told people to watch Vol a few of Voltar's, like his duo video is really good because he's mm -hmm. doing like SMD rework and uh, through whole capacitors. Yep. And just watch how he does it. Game Tech US has some good ones, Gadget mm -hmm. UK. And it's like, you don't need to look up, like, how to solder by Joe Idiot. It's like, just watch them work. It's like watching yeah. Bob Ross paint or whatever, you know. It's like, yeah, it's, it's exactly right. It's it's entertaining to watch, but you start to get used to their methods of doing mm -hmm. things. And you instantly you start, like, smacking your own hand. It's like, no, that's not yeah. spec, you know. It's like, that might work, but it's not spec. Exactly. It's a bad habit. Yeah, learning good practices and, and getting good equipment. Are the, I mean, I would say getting good equipment was way bigger of a jump for me than practicing yeah, the so better too. things just because I mean that de the last desoldering gun I had was broken there was something mm -hmm. wrong with that thing so it, it just life-changing getting really good equipment mm -hmm. yeah yeah I went from a decent hacko to that uh is it Kger or KSGR that Voltar recommends the Kesker mm -hmm. yeah I love and that even that too. just made a huge difference you know just be mm -hmm. in quicker too it's so quick quick to heat up and stuff like that. i mean yep. it's just the little things that start to build up and you just can't do this kind of work with the radio shack type iron i mean you can but you're gonna find yourself having to go back and redo it one day that's what it comes out that's what i've been doing is i had to go back through i think some things i've done three times mm -hmm. i did the original like transistor type rgb mods to like an n64 then i came back and i did like an actual uh 7314 Mm -hmm. And now, like, you have these new, really high-tech uh, yeah, mods coming mod. in, HDMI, yeah. And, yeah, some, like, my PC Engine stuff I've gone through, like, the transistor mod, 7314, and now I'm on 7374. And it's, like, every time I open it up, I'm like, oh, my God, what was I, what was I doing back then? And it's like, oh, it's because I had that, you know, pen soldering iron that I got for cheap, mm -hmm. and I was burning things, or the solder wasn't the right temperature, and everything's cold now when you look over it. Yeah, and the other good side of it is the prices have come down so much in these two. Mm -hmm. The Kesker is what sixty bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I mean yeah, when it was so just cheap. on Banggood, like I could understand people's reservations for that. But now, you know, the I think I think Jose just got one, uh, and it doesn't say Kesker, but it says T twelve. But we opened it up and it's identical on the inside. Mm -hmm. So it's just you know there is a gamble of like if you get it, are you going to get one of the knockoffs with the same cases? Mm -hmm. But my friends, so far, have I did luck with it. And it's yeah, just... I got I got the Banggood's one from Voltar just because of that. Because I saw that there were some that looked the same. And I was just like, I'll pay the 10 bucks extra and just get the right one. Mm -hmm. And then I got the extra tips, which are also pretty yes. freaking nice compared to the old knockoff tips that you would get for hackos and stuff. Yeah, funny, the tip that came with the Kesker, um, that was actually totally fine on its own. But the, the ones, the extra tip kit, yeah. I, I use the chisel edge on almost everything nowadays. Mm -hmm. And you'd think that it would be counterproductive because it's flat and big, but it just makes everything, I just got so used to it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got, so I went the other day, to, I tweeted about this because I went to, I hit my storage unit up because when you were coming. 
and I like did a supplies run. So I got us the beer, mm-hmm. but also grabbed a whole bunch of arcade games. And some of them, like, I haven't even played yet. Like, oh, yeah? Uh, some of the stuff I got while I was in Brazil, I found good deals on it. Or people, I had put some want-to-buy ads out just on a whim. And then after a year, some of them came through. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I'm doing when I'm back now is, like, I wanted to have this good gear and get some recaps going. Because I like to just make it mine with, like, a shotgun recap with this arcade stuff just to rule that out. Because mm-hmm. something's, you know, buy four or five boards, you're going to run into something. Definitely. Sometimes something major. And I just like to rule out the caps just to begin with because that's the easy thing, you know? It's like low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I have a UMK3 board that I occasionally yeah. get really bad horizontal interference. And uh, I tried refilling the chip by myself, which was a bad idea because I wasn't good enough to do that. But I pulled it off. I didn't ruin it or anything. <laughs> I, I, I reflowed most of the chips on there. Nothing. Um, I replaced the one. It only had one cap on it. One giant $5 cap and everything. Nothing. And I still am not sure exactly what it is. Is it that I'm running the wires wrong when I hook everything up by crossing a power wire with a, you know, a, so, but just... What a, power supply do you have? The Suzo Hap, the small black okay. one with the, you have to screw the wires in. That's always my good. first question. Well, you're fine, then it's not the power supply. But I was, I used to get rolling jail bars and stuff with arcade boards, and it took me a long time to realize that it was my power supplies I was using. And I upgraded to, like, the $25 Hap or whatever, Instantly, everything went, you know. It's so funny that you say upgraded, but it was probably a cheaper yeah. PSU than you were yeah, using. Yeah, it was. Uh-huh. And now I've upgraded again, like, to a 70 or $80 power supply, you know, and it's like... Yeah. It's not very much in arcade world. Yeah, that's it, one of the things that I know a few people working on um, super gun style stuff, and compensating for shitty power supplies is something I asked them to look into. Mm-hmm. So getting a good buck converter, using a, you know, you can get a really nice 12-volt power supply that'll power things, like, nothing crazy. It'll power a CPS2, it'll power, you know, an MVS. Mm-hmm. You can get a really good external brick for 20 bucks. And as long as the other side of the circuit, the 12-volt DC to DC, so that, you know, changes it to what the mm-hmm. arcade board needs. Yeah, that's kind of the weak point. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's what they're looking into, and I've, I asked a few people to double check it just to make sure, and I think that's going to be a pretty big deal too. People could just buy a cheap PSU and just plug it in, not have to worry about wiring it up. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that works out. Yeah. I've had such bad experience with PSUs that I'm just like, well, I'm now recommending the Ming Dong to people, but I used to just say like, just get the HAP. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, whatever whatever problem you have to begin with, it's like I asked the the power supply question. I'm like, first swap out the power supply and. It's like with flashcards, like there's certain things you can do that, that fixes things 90% of the time, mm-hmm. like formatting. Yep. <laughs> you know, like uh, people have infinite issues with the flashcards. Like, well, just format the SD card and then it was probably something got corrupted or whatever. And with, with arcade stuff, the power supply is really, I think, the weak point for a lot of things. And then the super gun, of course, mm. is a rat's nest, but that's much more complex. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all very true. It, it's. It's funny just to try to get the lowest common denominator and stuff like that. Anybody that's using cheap PSUs, I just always, even on consoles, just throw them in the garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I've been working through get, changing, just even swapping, like, on a lot of consoles where, you know, when you first get them, I don't know why, but I used to buy, like, the Chinese power supplies off eBay just because it had the right size and it was the right amperage, but it actually isn't. Yeah. And just swapping that out with the real deal, it fixes Probably, you know, it's problems that you thought were with the console get fixed by that. And you could get good, cheap power supplies now. Mm-hmm. The Triad yeah, ones, ones and then the uh, Power Plus are both wonderful. I mean, I've tested them. Uh, I've, 
I personally haven't put those on the scope. Other people have, but I've used them. Yeah, in, I've heard great things about the triads. Yeah, in my like super zoom in comparison videos, I can never tell the difference. So one that I would like you or like I asked um, Renee to look at this. I love uh, the Sony PS2 Slim power supply. Yeah, it's beautiful. I've, I've recommended it to people, and then I realized, oh, but I've never actually put it under the um, Everybody microscope. Loves them. Yeah. Uh, all the people that are power experts love those. Things. I stocked up on it. Like I, bu- I have like nine or ten of them that I bought for like five dollars each shipped. Some of them oh, and they're wow, dirt really? cheap, and it gives you. Like, I think they're rated at ten volts, or like five amps or something, which mm-hmm. pretty much for a, it's a huge range of consoles. And then you can just replace the tip on it and swap the polarity if you need to. And this thing is like a powerhouse. It can do a full tower of power without blinking. It could probably do two. Who knows? But, yeah, absolutely. But I would like to know if it, um, you know, introduces any noise or whatever. Would be no. Good no, no, no. I've had many people, even with the triads, uh, which which I like very much. Those are the ones. Those are my go-to for Genesis. Anything that has a Genesis One style uh, receptacle, because you could buy the triad with that one. You don't need any adapters or mm-hmm. anything like that. And that's like the the PS2 Slim is uh, Genesis Two exact. You know, it's oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything that has that, I've been using it, but a couple of people mentioned, like, hey, you know, if you're using a Genesis 2 or something, you could just use the PS2 Slims instead, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I like them for, like, it's good for the Nomad, uh, Sega CD2. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Duo RX, it's an exact power supply. It's a very expensive one, too. Oh, yeah, wow, I didn't know that one. Yeah, I can do a whole bunch of things, and then just swap the tip for everything else. Mm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Good tips. Mm-hmm. Do you still do archaeology work? I am, yeah, I mean, I just, I've had a couple articles. I've been a co-author on a few in the last few years. I haven't done any digs for a little while, but I'm involved with a lot of stuff. But I, I keep that separate from my uh, smoke monster life, kind of. I section things off. I'm like, like, I have my coffee roasting avatar, mm-hmm. you know, my uh, my archaeology stuff I do in my real name, and then the smoke monster stuff, and you come up with, you know, it, it keeps things separate mm-hmm. so that you can focus on them. Well, I, I will say that I did. I knew you were into coffee, so I bothered you about what's the best coffee pot for me to get. And uh, it was a noticeable difference. And I'm not a connoisseur. I can't tell you what kind of bean was roasted. I just know that the same bag of coffee that I've been drinking for a month, just, you know, on a clean machine, too, not like mm-hmm. a 10-year-old gross one, just moving over to that one, it tasted way better. So It's like, I'm not a connoisseur either, but you... It's like with the console stuff. It's like once you get a taste for what's... And it's not that expensive, really, was mm-hmm. it? I mean, it was a good price, I thought. Uh, and that little upgrade to the main heart of the problem fixes tons of stuff. Yeah. It's the kind of thing with coffee roasting and whatnot. I'm not so into that as I am with um, console stuff or video gaming. Mm-hmm. But I did used to sell as my job. Like, I sold espresso equipment on eBay. And I did pretty well at it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shipping problems in the end are what kind of steered me out of that. Mm. But, um, Shipping's always a nightmare. Yeah, I did like pro espresso gear, and it was the same kind of stuff as modifying a console. Every, I mean, once you learn these skills, they translate into any simple electronics, you mm-hmm. know, repairing things, audio gear, recapping your blender, recapping blenders, <laughs> turntables, preamps, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a. Uh... That's getting into that stuff is going to come after I move out of an apartment and get get you know a house somewhere because I do eventually really want a, a good quality like a Macintosh tube amp 
and two really good floor standing speakers. That'll mm -hmm. be for everything that's just two speaker related. That's all mm -hmm. I wanted to go through. Heck, even certain video game consoles that are just stereo would probably be perfect for that too. So That'd be beautiful. I like tube stuff. I don't have a lot of it here with me. I have some clocks and uh, my tube microphone. Mm -hmm. But like back at um, back in my storage in Illinois, I've still got my original like a 1964 trainer uh, YBA one. Oh wow! That I've basically modified into a Marshall Plexi uh, mm. guitar head. Beautiful thing. I used to be in bands and stuff too, like you. I play. Yeah, bass. I remember you telling me that. You play bass? Play guitar. Okay. I have a bass behind me. I have the Peter Ewers from In Flames. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, even though I'm so terrible at bass, I always loved that one. And it plays, I mean, it plays like a bass that's four times the price. Mm -hmm. So that's my favorite one for me. But now I'm a guitarist. But chasing gear is, I know people like the gear side more than playing, which I guess mm -hmm. you could say about me in video games. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a fair thing, but. That's probably where I got this from. Really? Could be where you got it from. Was that before you got into like RGB oh, stuff? I've, I've been, yeah, I've been playing guitar yeah. since I was like 13. So yeah. it is very similar, that gear accumulation syndrome kind of stuff and perfecting things. Yeah, that's why I went down the rabbit hole of digital for so long with guitar amps. Mm -hmm. But when the Line 6 Beta 2 came out, I was blown away and I bought one of those I bought one that Dave Mustaine had toured with it was signed by Dave Mustaine and everything it was just and I must have spent an unhealthy amount of time tweaking and messing with it to try to get the perfect sound mm -hmm. I eventually had to sell it when the you know uh, when I needed to and then you know going through gear going through gear and then I, I found this one amp it was the EVH series the 51 the newer ones and everybody had said that I would love this one I bought it I brought it home I plugged it in set the dials the way I normally would, and it, you know, turned the volume up on my guitar, and it hit one chord and went, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the sound I've been chasing my whole life. You know, mm -hmm. hundreds of hours with some digital crap. So yeah, that's, you know, I got lucky. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, I'm not ever going to mess with crap but like that again. When I played bass, I mean, I pl so I got my tube stuff from uh, a guitarist I played with who was hardcore into that. And mm -hmm. Beautiful. I mean, he was very talented, and he also had a beautiful sound always because of his amps that, were these old tube amps, and I had this exact same experience. I got like an, uh, so I had gone. My transition from digital back to analog amps was, I bought the anniversary edition Ampeg SVT. This would have been like two thousand three or four mm -hmm. digital piece of junk, but I didn't know that at the time. And like the fan on it broke, and the thing just self self destructs if the fan goes out. So like the fan went out, the, the amp lasted me like two months or something. I sent it to my tech and he gave me the big speech about like, these things are junk, you know? Sweet. He's like, if you want an Ampeg SVT, just go buy an old one and we'll work on it. And so that's, I got like a 60s Ampeg SVT, a silver front one. And it was the second, I mean, this was before I did anything to it. You just plug into it and you're like, all right, I'm home. Yeah. And it's done. And then from there, you know, you start, and you start noticing too, like uh, you get the right equipment and you'll start seeing gigantic multi you know multi-millionaire people using the same equipment as you and you kind of feel like well maybe i'm actually onto something here and it's not just in my head that it sounds better or looks yeah better or something that's like absolutely that. true mm -hmm. i mean it's there's a with the amp modeling uh modeling stuff now like the kemper it's getting better but i could still one of my friends used to get so mad at me because he'd you know all right what what amp do you use and he'd say all right well uh, listen to these two right after another and send me an mp3 and it'd be like the first one's the real amp you can send me another one they're both fake you're lying to me and he'd, <laughs> like i could always hear it and then the new ones the kempers you wouldn't be able to tell the difference mm -hmm. live but 
Yeah, it's all like uh, I found the Laney Iron Hearts. I love those, and I found out Kill Switch Engage use those. They still do, I think. And you're right, like there, when things work so well, people tend to kind of stick with them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's the exact same thing with this video games. You know, when you start getting into the audio stuff, and you find the perfect Genesis revision. You're like, that's it. I mean, you don't really. Although yeah. with the bypass now, you can pretty much make every Genesis perfect, but. Well, even on the other side of that, though, uh, emulation boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the, you get an at-games Genesis. Mm-hmm. Maybe you didn't know any better. Maybe you just, you know, you haven't played Genesis since it was the console to own. You plug it in, and you're like, eh, you know, all right, mm-hmm. I, guess it, I guess this maybe is Maybe I was rosy-eyed like. remembering how great it was or something. Right. right, and then you go find a restored Model 1 with, like, a video bypass, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, yeah, that's how it was, all yeah. right then. Yeah, and a lot of people, I mean... I get the emulation thing, and I do it myself, software emulation, and it, it's, it does the trick when you need to. But there is, uh, the closer that you get to the real thing, mm-hmm. I think it does really, in, it improves your overall experience to the point that I think that if people just, like, if people haven't played Super Nintendo forever, and they just went out and they bought one of these crap new Super Nintendos, I'm not talking about, like, the... Uh, you don't mean the, the good ones. classic. You mean like the hyper game Yeah, HDMI you buy one, one of those and plug it in, and they're just going to be like, well, I guess video games sucked back then, and I just didn't realize it or something like that. Couldn't you know agree I mean? more. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the NES and SNES classic were good enough mm-hmm. where I, I'm sure people could play those and go, okay, yeah. this is neat, but... Yeah, for sure. They did it, they did it really well. For the, I mean, they perfected the mini, the cheap mini console, basically. I hope the Genesis one is just as good or better. Mm-hmm. With them two behind it, you never know. It could be better. So. Yeah, I mean, if if M2 can't do it, no one <laughs> will ever, True. basically, is what it'll come down to. I wonder how long it'll take to have FPGAs be cheap uh-huh. enough so that it would be feasible for these companies to do that. Would the 2025 edition of the SNES Mini be a FPGA or... I am very pessimistic. Longer. I'm sure you are too. It's almost like they don't want to hire. If I mean, and especially like if you look back at like Xbox, some of the old Xbox 360 Live ports of games, and you look at it and you're like, they didn't want to hire a programmer for an extra hour to fix this crap. Yeah, they're not going to be doing FPGA stuff for a while. I think. Hopefully, though, when they do, they will. Uh, commission some of these Mr. People or some of these actual, you know, like Kevtris is commissioned by Analog to get, you know, because we have a pool of great people right now. And they're going to be here for a little while and then they're going to move on probably. But uh, it would be cool to see some of this Mr. Stuff actually being used in mainstream kind of applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, And then uh, I guess a lot of, I mean, it's not, in, it's not outside of their own possibility of adding, let's say the PlayStation 6 comes out and it has an FPGA chip in there that's capable of some things, why not trans, you know, take advantage of that and put an actual good PlayStation 1 emulator or something on there? That's pretty neat. I didn't consider that. Just thoughts. One interesting uh, thing about Sony's it. going the complete different direction, though. Yeah, and the one neat thing that people should definitely remember is uh, anybody that's seen the Xbox 360 on Xbox One emulation and how it could actually perform better... Yeah. When you have access to all the original source codes like that, and it's mm-hmm. um, and don't forget that anything with the frame buffer, you always have that extra 16 milliseconds because you could pull the data before it's hitting the video output. So there, there is a potential for PlayStation and 64 and on pretty much 
for it to have flawless software emulation that's rendered in high def, that's mm -hmm. equal to or better than experience to the original, which is not anything free, you know, up to mm -hmm. uh, Sega Genesis and um, Super Nintendo, I'm trying to think, you know, Jaguar, anything from that era, era or before probably wouldn't be able to. But I still enjoy it. I still like software emulation, just different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, it's like hey, we have this toolbox of stuff, and sometimes you pull out a different tool for a different thing. I mean, I am I love the PlayStation Vita. I just love that thing. It just feels right. And uh, I just, uh, what I like to do on it, most of the time I'll run Adrenaline to play PSP or PlayStation 1 games. Mm -hmm. It does a pretty good job at it. It has, like, software, hardware, hybrid emulation that it does. But even just putting, like, RetroArch on there, and just using it as a nice little like handheld with a great screen I, I like that and I know that it's not perfect mm -hmm. but you know when you're on the go or whatever and it's on a little screen it just doesn't matter so much as like if I'm going to play Genesis at home I generally either want FPGA Genesis you know the Mega SG or I want the real deal right. and that's it I wouldn't mess with RetroArch whatsoever at home on a I, I agree 100% the only thing that's changed my mind a little bit is uh, like when Jimmy Hoppe did the video on Cats Run, I went, wait a minute, that's the Mode 7 game, and then I wanted to try it with the HD Mode 7 yeah. rendering. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I were to ever to sit and like play that game and really go through, which Jimmy says it's not one of the best. It's just kind of neat. So I think in that scenario, I, I did prefer emulation. It's mm -hmm. not a game I would, I would spend hours playing. It's a game I'd spend minutes playing. Mm -hmm. And let's check out this cool HD mode. But like I, I don't... I don't see myself sitting down and playing, like putting hours into into anything where the experience isn't the way I'd really want it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and then at the same time, people like us, we have different standards too, I think, than normal, than yeah. uh, ca really casual people, I'm saying. I mean, the people watching this have high standards for things. Right. But it's like, as long as it ticks the bells for someone to enjoy it, that's the most important thing. There is the backside of it, though, that like people like us are thinking, like, well, we want to respect, to some degree, what the actual game is. So it's like, it's all, it's always that balance that you do, or something. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. For, for me, the only line that I've I've always drawn, and I'm trying to get better at articulating this, so hopefully it makes more sense now. But um, if somebody if somebody plays Super Nintendo with RF on a tube TV. It's a perfectly acceptable way to play it, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get some analog interference. The audio is not going to be stereo, whatever. And somebody that pulls an old TV out of their basement and pulls their old Super Nintendo out of their basement to play that would have the same experience. Mm -hmm. But somebody that if goes... If not better. Yeah, depending, because yeah. maybe they're used to whatever else, but... Maybe they just get over, over, overfilled with joy or something more than I do when I'm playing in, in RGB or something. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. it's just... Because for us, it's like... We do this every day, like Super Nintendo. Right. It's not. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want it on RGB, but it's not ruining the experience. Mm -hmm. But you go to the people that get like the the um, Hyperkin SNES uh, HDMI console, or that god awful SCART to HDMI thing, and it's oh yeah, you know, because that looks great if you're not moving. So if you just happen to be mm -hmm. playing turn by turn RPGs, it's fine. But like you know, you have the Super Mario World title screen comes up, and you go. This is amazing. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, ah, this game wasn't as good as I remembered it. You mm -hmm. never play it again. 
and you have no recollection or, or no realization that the reason you're like, eh, it's not as good is because of you've ruined the experience by using a shit upscaler on it. Mm -hmm. So that's the type of, that's the only thing that bothers me is when people are like, eh, you know, I'm playing it on this or I'm playing it on that. And it's like, all those are perfectly acceptable. But when people are like, oh, I got that $30 composite to 1080p HDMI adapter, it's like, please put that away. That's yeah. got like five, six frames of lag on it. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, so you know that I do a lot of stuff with Mr. Mm -hmm. And Mr. is kind of the, uh, I mean, everybody knows what Mr. is who's watching this. But if you don't know, it's FPGA uh, hardware emulation of the original systems. And uh, it gives you, it potentially could be as close to perfect as we're going to get out of emulation, essentially. If yeah. you can think of it that way. I'm not going to go big into this because there are a lot of times when software emulation is still better nowadays, just depending on the quality of the core. Right. Uh, but I do have, uh, just speaking of Mr., I've been working away for a few months on this uh, Mr. Pack update. Oh, version yeah? 5.0 that's coming out uh, that I'm kind of excited about. You asked what I'm working on. And uh, it'll basically bring, I don't know, if, if people are using my Mr. 4.0 pack, that was almost still in the, that's the current pack. It was almost like it was still in the beta phase. Mm -hmm. It's so different from what uh, 5.0 will be. Mr. now has sort of leveled off, at least in the folder layout and kind of in the scripts that um, Locutus has been doing for the updater. Uh, to the point where this is going to be kind of what I'm working on right now is the outline going forward that's kind of things are starting to settle down. Everybody has been saying, oh, I'm going to wait for Mr. to kind of settle down before I'm going to jump into it. I think right now would be a good time to get into Mr. for people who don't have one. Mm -hmm. uh, the parts are cheap. They're plentiful. There's no waiting in line anymore. Uh, most of the main cores that you're going to be interested in are not just good. They're extremely good. Nest, Genesis, yeah. PC Engine, yeah. Super Graphics. Mm -hmm. yeah. Each one of them has been just, you know, if you watch the early Mr. videos, you'd be like, oh, it's pretty awesome. It's like on the verge of being excellent. Mm -hmm. And now if you go into it now and you're expecting excellence, you're going to be blown away by how good it is. Like it's, it's come that far in a year maybe that I've been following it, a little over a year. That's awesome. And uh, just especially like we've been talking about arcade games, which is what I, I'm really interested in. Uh, mm -hmm. There's tons of arcade cores at this point. Uh, there's someone working on, I mean, if you look at the things that are in development, there's somebody working on a CPS-1 out yeah. on their own, out in the wilderness working on CPS-1. Uh, there's someone working on a cave core, if you've seen that. Uh, I vaguely so remember it. So early cave like a uh, cave multi-board, basically, and cave uh, shoot-em-ups and arcade boards are extremely expensive mm -hmm. and rare. And uh, having that on Mr. is going to be insane. And we're, we're just starting to get more advanced things in arcade world to the point where, <clears throat> like right now, Furtech is very far along with an MVS core that is going to be, it's, it's just going to be like a home MVS system. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm such a fan of his work, and I can't wait to start testing that one with that. You know, when the, the, the next revision comes out with some more audio support and everything. Yeah, and it sounds like he's got the hardware to the point now where he can start uh, recommending boards that we're going to add on to get Neo Geo support. So you get a Neo Geo, like, 64 megabyte add-on board for it, mm -hmm. which can also be used by anything outside of Neo Geo. So that op that just getting that down is going to open up doors for things, So too. just to be specific for people that aren't full in the loop about the Mister, the DE10 Nano, the Intel board, is uh, the most expensive at 110 in the main part. 
And then you have all these other add-ons, whether it's the USB hubs mm -hmm. or anything like that, like a 3D printed case, which definitely get because those are awesome. Yeah. Uh, but then there's the um, the RAM module that you need to add, and that is very cheap. Yeah. So it is. It's buying... like I said, 64 gigabytes a minute. It's actually 64 megabytes. Megabytes. And yeah. the current one is 32 megabytes or something. It's just a very small amount of RAM. Uh, that it can access at a high speed is basically right. what it's for. So if you've already invested in this and you have to undo you know, your RAM and leave it aside and buy another one, it's not anything to get upset about. It's like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. Everything else about this stays the exact same. Mm -hmm. um, what size SD card do you recommend people get to get the, the next revision? Is 256 needed? Oh, or I'm still at 128 myself. Okay. It'll, I mean, we'll kick the doors down. And, well, I mean, when we get CD support and uh, large image support, you'll need really big cards. Or, I mean, there's complex ways of doing it where you leave your images on your computer mm -hmm. and then have it retrieve that through the network if people want to keep a smaller card in there. But, That's yeah, I'm a 128 cool. gigabyte, I think, right now. Um, does it, it plays MSU audio, right? Uh, it's in the works. MSU okay. one is in the works. So if you want to include MSU one audio, move to 256 then, definitely. <laughs> yeah, or just be picky. It's sure. about what you want. Yeah, but MSU one audio is cool not just for the MSU one stuff, which adds uh, Redbook quality audio to Super Nintendo games, but it's also just it's going to be the first example of streaming uh, optical-like data from the ARM side over into Mister. And if oh, you start yeah. thinking that way, you start thinking, oh, CD-ROM, computer games, right. you start thinking PC Engine CD, Sega CD, Jaguar CD, anything that involves really large images is going to be using sort of the same techniques to transfer that data. So to me, that's what's most exciting about MSU1 is that, like, that first step, I guess. The step that paves mm -hmm. the way for everything else behind yeah. it. So that's awesome. I'm also excited because... Uh, that would mean that if the Super Nintendo core and the MSU one core is there and you use the HDMI output, I believe this is the only way to get a true digital-to-digital MSU one audio solution. Because even yeah. if you use the Super NT, you're still using the card mm -hmm. audio, which is digital to analog back to digital. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, I think we, we covered it. Um, I'm very happy to be here. This is fun, as always. Only like the second time we've met in person, I think, right? For yeah. all the years of talking to each other. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like we've been hanging out for a long time. So thank you very much for having me in your home. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening. And guaranteed, now that you're back in the States, this is going to be happening a lot more frequently. I hope so. Yeah, it's great having you here. And thank you for hosting me oh, uh, yeah, in New York when I was there. But yeah, it's Everybody awesome. loved meeting you when you were out there. That was uh, very cool. I love them. I love that New York fight, that New York <laughs> arcade scene. Yeah. I almost call them a, a, a fighting game scene because that's pretty much what it is. But it's an arcade scene. Yeah. That's a real true arcade scene. I thought it was really cool to see. It's not like, uh, I mean, it goes back to the actual arcades that we used to go to. There's the Chinatown Fair Days. Yeah. yeah. It's all that's rooted in that for the New York scene. Yeah. People that are, are passionate and dedicated and love it as much as we do and are smart enough to, to work on all this stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Yep.